0: You are listening to Hank's Infinite Playlist.
1: They told me we wouldn't. They told me we couldn't. They told me we shouldn't. But to all the haters out there, I say, die, die, die. I can't. Hello, friends, and welcome back. You are listening to the second episode of Hank's Infinite Playlist, a journey through all the classic and unforgettable films Hank Tucker has not seen. I am your host, Justin Birnbaum, and joining me as always is the newly crowned fastest man in New Jersey, Hank Tucker. If you know, you know. On today's episode, we're bringing to the stage the 2008 classic Forgetting Sarah Marshall, starring Jason Segel, Mila Kunis, Kristen Bell, and so many more incredible actors. Now, before we get started, some housekeeping, and the rules. First off, let me offer a huge thank you to everyone who listened to episode one. As I promise, we're figuring it out as we go, so I have a few changes to announce to the format. First off, we are killing the Rename the Movie category. It's a common sentiment I've picked up from fans who have described it to me as the worst idea ever invented in human history. I wasn't very good at it either. So sayonara. Second, we're going to be adding two segments to the show, one of which being interactive. The first we're calling pre-Hank, an attempt for him to try and figure out what the movie is about in advance of his post-Hank review. We won't be doing that on this episode because we've already watched the movie, but for episode three, you can expect it. The other is that we're going to ask one friend of the podcast to submit a new segment each week. Here's the catch. Before we start recording, Hank and I will not have listened to it so it'll be spontaneous and we'll have to adapt on the fly. Should be fun. A quick recap of the rules before we jump in. We're watching movies Hank hasn't seen in eight film batches that are thematically similar in one way or another. This is a group of movies my friends and I could not stop quoting as teenagers, so I've dubbed these late 2000s classic comedies potent quotables. At the end of each episode, Hank will assign the quote-unquote Hank score, and in the true spirit of collaboration, I have absolutely no idea how this will work, and it's up to Hank to let us know if he wants to let us in on his rationale. When we reach the eighth and final episode of each volume, we will declare a winner. And who knows, maybe one day the winners will go up against each other. More on that later. For now, on to the good stuff. So for all of our fans who have since forgotten what Forgetting Sarah Marshall is about, Here's a quick plot summary courtesy of Google. Struggling musician Peter Bretter, played by Jason Segel, is better known as the boyfriend of TV star Sarah Marshall, played by Kristen Bell. After she unceremoniously dumps him, he feels lost and alone, but makes a last ditch bid to get over it by going to Hawaii. However, she and her new boyfriend, played by Russell Brand, are there in the same hotel. It's time for Post Hank. All right, Hank, your review in one minute or less,
0: go. Yeah, you know, I like this movie a lot. You've got a great cast. I mean, Melee Kunis' breakout role, even the supporting actors, Jonah Hill, Paul Rudd, you get a lot of their early career performances. Great premise for a classic comedy film with this breakup getaway that becomes a complicated ordeal for Peter when his ex-girlfriend Sarah is there too, as you mentioned. And maybe next time, don't choose a place where, you know, your star actress ex-girlfriend likes to visit also. Um... The movie does a really good job, I think, of carrying this sense of tension and awkwardness through the whole movie with all the different love triangles to take shape. Um, If I can make one critique, I would say maybe it's too predictable. You know, the moment you see that the person working the front desk of the hotel is just gorgeous. I mean, she's Mila Kunis, you know, I think I could have basically laid out what the rest of the movie would look like from there. Um, But, you know, there are a couple of highs and lows along the way, but, you know, it's pretty clear that's who Peter belongs with and, you know, what a lucky guy he is. Um, but definitely a well-executed comedy and, and, a satisfying watch for me. Well, you nailed the time, but let me just say to you, next
1: time, uh, I'll drop a word to Jed Apatow about, uh, not making the movie so predictable, Hank.
0: <laughs> well, you know, uh, I'm just, uh, if, if you want me to be brutally honest here, I, I'm gonna give it a good Hank score at the very end. It's, well. I mean, I would hope so. I'm not picking out duds here, um. So
1: I will, the one point I want to highlight from that before we move on, you are right. The cast is just absolutely stacked. It is a who's who of cameos and small roles. Um, some you didn't mention in there that I want to bring up. Kristen Wiig as the yoga instructor. Um, in the
0: unrated version, I believe that's the only one she's in, but it's the one I watched in the movie. Well,
1: I think, I think she, in the original, original one that was in theater, she's, a, she's got a small role in it. But you might be right. I'm not sure. Um, Billy Baldwin plays one of the detectives on the show, um, so does Jason Bateman, and the show I mean like these, these fake TV shows that the Sarah Marshall character is on. Um, yeah, you go down this list and you get a who's who of, of cameos, that's pretty cool. But, um, all right, let's move on. Okay, on to the four segments. First one, most
0: uncomfortable moment, lead us off. Yeah, there are a lot to choose from. I mean, this movie really uh, bays on the awkwardness. I think of of so many of the scenes. Um, I'm going to go with the first one, the the opening breakup scene. Um, just you know, put some clothes on, bro. Put some pants on, Peter. You know, he 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 sits on the couch and basically forces uh, Sarah to talk through things with him uh, while he is uh, naked. Um, and it's just uh, you know, you can feel her discomfort. Um, you can feel the discomfort through the screen and, and it's just, it would have been, you know, a lot, probably more considerate on Peter's part to do it while clothed. That's just all I'm saying. (laughs) How predictable.
1: You know, I had a feeling that was coming and I prepared myself for it and I clearly went a very different direction because of that. Um... I mean, here's the deal, you know, you want me to say the full frontal nudity scene is the most uncomfortable scene in the movie. I mean, that's probably what they were going for. But in the true comedic genius of Judd Apatow, there are several uncomfortable moments in this movie that should be highlighted. Um, For me, it's the awkward newlywed sex scenes. Um, They're just so cringe. It's painful. I mean, sex scenes in general tend to be kind of unrealistic and cringy depending on who you're watching with. I would say probably 95% of the people you watch movies with, you don't want a sex scene to come on. But this is another one, as I mentioned in the last episode, that if I know this is coming on cable, I will flip to another channel. This is going to be a recurring theme through my answers here. Um, and even when the this couple figures it out later in the movie and loses some of the awkwardness, it just it does not get any better. I I, I don't want any part of it 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 doesn't add anything to the movie for me. And, you know, if if we're watching a scene that's not that funny and it's like awkward, usually I'll try to crack a joke to break the ice. But ultimately, you know, we just kind of sat in painful silence there as we watched it, which was enough punishment as it is.
0: Yeah, you know that that's another good one. I mean, I, as you said, there are so many to choose from. I mean, that there was kind of the reverse of, of the one my choice when Sarah tried to get him back while they were in Hawaii and yeah. and pressured him into uh, some intimacy that that he wasn't really feeling. Um, that there was the the dinner with the two uh, couples, the, the weird love but that, square. But that even though that was like billed as uncomfortable, that was. I love that scene. He's comedic genius. He he
1: spills the wine on his shirt, and he's like, oh, take my eyes, but not the shirt. The whole shirt thing was genius. Um, You know, that that is uncomfortable in theory, but I would not classify that as an uncomfortable moment as a watcher.
0: Yeah, but for sure, I mean, the newlyweds, everything they do is kind of uncomfortable, which which I'm I'm guessing will lead you into our next segment.
1: Uh, Yes, that that is correct. So here we are with Kill Off a Character, and... As, as you mentioned, I'm going to take the lead on this one because it stems directly from my last point. Um, I would kill off the newlyweds. I have no idea what they're named in the movie, and um, I didn't even bother to look it up. But I will say that, that the wife, who's played by Maria Thayer, whose name I did not know before looking it up, is actually delightful in other movies, including Accepted, which I know you have not seen. Um, maybe that'll make its way onto our list. Maybe it won't. But in this movie, they play pretty useless roles. Um, their lines are not very quotable. Their, their story is not very dependent on the plot. Um, there's nothing really here. The only, the only one I can really even remember that has been burned into my memory is, is they're sitting at the bar and, and, and Peter as usual, God, hang, take your cough somewhere else. All right.
0: Um, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. Don't I'm sorry. I'm, I'm trying to drink water to get through this, but but we're getting through it, and, and I'm good now. We're getting through it. Um, there's one line he has when they're sitting at
1: the bar, and Peter, who's played by Jesse Siegel, is telling him, you know, maybe this is a sign. He's like, maybe it's a sign you should get back together. And he's like, I love her show. I love the violence. And it's not that good of a line, but that's the only one I remember. But my point is, is the newlyweds just don't do it for me. If you were axing plot or characters from the movie, they must have been the first to go.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, that's a good choice and, and it's a choice that I thought you'd probably make. So so to be contrarian, um, I made a different choice. Um, I don't know Jonah Hill's character's name. Um, I don't think it's important. I, I don't think it's important. I don't think, you know, he's just kind of this pest that that shows up every now and then. And, and that's the point uh, for him to just be this uh, kind of obnoxious wannabe star that, that everyone's kind of ignoring. Um, I, I, I don't think the movie would be lacking much if you killed him off. I, I think, you know, obviously he's had this fantastic acting career again. 21 Jump Street, Moneyball, Wolf of Wall Street, Jonah Hill's great. Uh, the, this movie, I, I, don't, I don't know how much he does there. I don't think he really needs to be there. Um, I'm going to respectfully disagree because he gives one of the best lines in the movie
1: that was quoted... So often among me and my friends where he's giving him the demo and he's like, you don't want to be like, Oh, I saw him. I saw that guy and he became a major, major influence on me. That cracks me up every time. And also the first scene where he's just like, um, at the hotel, um, restaurant and he's seating people and he's like on the phone. He's like, no, Jeremy, I can't sell you weed because I'm at my job right now. I can sell you weed when I'm not at my job. So, um, He he has some unforgettable lines, so I'm going to really firmly disagree with you there. But he also ushers in one of probably what would have been my second choice for most uncomfortable moment of the movie, which is when he brings Aldous Snow, Russell Brand, up on stage to sing the song. And he he sings that song inside of you, and he's doing all those sorts of weird dances. And uh, I don't know if you picked this up, but you notice that Jonah Hill reaches into his pants and then looks over at Peter and says, I just went from six to midnight, which I I think you can figure out what it means. Um, But that's just another... That was one of those, so cringe, it's so good. I, it's just, uh, the point is, I completely disagree. I love this character. And, you know, we're not going to watch this as part of Hank's Infinite Playlist, but we will watch the spinoff one day. And Jonah Hill is actually the star of that movie, but not as his character in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. He plays a completely different character, um, which can be a little confusing, but yeah. Um, good point. I respect, I respect your point, which is I guess is the bottom line, but um, firmly disagree. Uh, you can take us into Secret Villain, though.
0: Yeah, I mean, the obvious villain, the non-secret villain is the the title of the movie, right, Sarah Marshall? Yeah. Um, Secret villain, also not really, kind of a not-so-secret villain. I would say Aldous. I mean, he's just, you know, the obnoxious, arrogant, you know, everything that Peter isn't, uh, you know, charismatic. He's the star. Peter's behind the scenes. and, 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 And so you can see why Sarah left Peter for this man, you know, when... When during that opening uh, breakup scene, which I said was the most wonderful moment, uh, Sarah acknowledged, admitted that there was another man, and so that other man has to bear some responsibility for this breakup that that throws Peter into this spiral um, that you know eventually changes and and improves his life uh, for the better. Um, but you know Aldous, he's uh, just you know very full of himself uh, and and. His songs are uh, kind of uh, make that clear uh, with their uh, explicitness. Uh, you mentioned in, well, one thing. One thing I'll add in the
1: sequel, Russell Brand actually does the entire soundtrack, and some of the music is very good. Um, I will say that. And you know, Russell Brand is is sort of an interesting character, um, not just in the movie, just as a person. But the fact that he does have like level of musical talent to kind of make an entire soundtrack for the movie. Very cool. But that's a digression, not the point. You can finish here. Yeah,
0: you know, he's obviously an interesting character, uh, you know, very worth having, bring something to the movie. Um, and, and I think he, he's a kind of a villain character in that, you know, he, he kind of operates against most of, you know, what Peter, the protagonist's uh, goals are. So I
1: see it. But I don't know if I fully agree. Maybe that's because I enjoy the character that Russell Brand plays, which which people have said before was actually like very like similar to kind of like his own demeanor and stuff, but I don't know. Not the point. But in reality, like is it Russell Brand's fault? Well, not Russell Brand. Is it all snows' fault that Sarah Marshall is a bad girlfriend? Like, in reality. He is just dating this girl. And I, this could be a very broader discussion about who, who the culprit is here. Um, and I'm not going to side one way or the other because um, I don't want to spend three hours discussing this. But I just have a hard time with him being the villain because he really didn't do anything wrong. You know, like he was dating this girl. I guess if he was aware that she was in this serious relationship, that's pretty bad. And he s- seems to have no moral boundaries in this movie. Um, and if you watch the sequel, you then become aware that he has no moral boundaries, um, the character is. Um, but, I mean, again, like, we don't really ever, ever, actually, he does kind of point out that he was aware of it, but in reality, like, at that point, Sarah and Peter are breaking up and he's on vacation with her, so, I mean, he's he's not a great boyfriend either to begin with, so she kind of dug her own grave, because he's about to go on an 18-month tour, as she says, but, yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to step into mine here, and... You know, since I go against the grains, since I'm a contrarian by nature, I'm going to say that it is the Bill Hader character, whose name I do not know. Um, just shows how much research we really did here. But he does play Jason Segel's stepbrother in the film. So the reason I say him is the secret villain is because of this. Peter, Jason Segel, whatever you want to call him, um, is mourning. He's upset about the end of his relationship. We've all been there. And he's trying to recover. But no matter what he does to take the next step in his life, Hater always comes back at him with some sort of harsh criticism or boneheaded idea. So, so Peter goes out, you know, sleeps with girls. Bill Hater scolds him, okay? Like, look what you're doing, blah, 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 blah. I remember the exact line. Um, we watched this movie a few weeks ago. Um, he pushes him to go on vacation where he ends up having to spend the whole trip around his ex, okay? Then he pushes him to socialize and then criticize him. criticizes him. When he does and meets a girl, he's like, what are you going to do, have another dirty one-night stand? And like, first off, it's Mila Kunis, okay? So you got to throw all your cards on the table for her at that point. Um, this, is, this is She's one of those beautiful actresses out there, um, and this is her breakout role, like you said. So, um, I mean, you said it before, you know, Mila Kunis is Mila Kunis. Um, so, you know, he criticizes him for that. At the end of the day, people kind of navigate their relationship grief on their own, and the way not to do it is have some pushy step sibling telling them what or what not to do. So that's that's where I landed.
0: Yeah, fair choice and one I considered too. I I, I think he's trying to look out for for Peter's best interests and doesn't always do it the right way. Whereas uh, Aldous, he's just oblivious. He's on a different moral plane than everybody else in in the movie, maybe in real life, and and just kind of a. a a bad boyfriend, a bad advisor, a bad competitor to to Peter in in some respects. But I do think, obviously, some of the advice that that Bill Hader's character, you know, gives Peter is is, uh, misguided as well. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Um, Listen
1: to to, uh, the Friends segment of the week, which when we actually edit this will be spliced in, so we'll come right back to back to this. But we don't have that kind of technology to do at the same time. So quick break, we're going to listen to it, and then back with the fourth and final segment. Justin, Hank, what's going on? A huge fan of the podcast. I've been a listener since day one. Um, I'm also a huge Forgetting Sarah Marshall fan, so I'm really happy that you guys chose this as one of the movies for Hank to see. Um, So I know you guys are huge NBA fans, as I am as well, Um, and I've been really entertained by all the Nets drama the last uh, couple years. So my question is this. How would Aldous Snow behave in the movie... If he was played by Kyrie Irving, and how would he act if he was played by Kevin Durant? Uh, Enjoy, guys. Okay, Chris. (laughs) Thanks for that one. Uh, This is a a good one he laid on us here. And, uh, all right, I'm going to take the lead here. Okay. So the way I'm going to approach this is from a purely basketball perspective. Um, And I think you can assume why. So I think when I think about Kyrie Irving on the basketball court, he's very stylish in his moves, but he's not always playing the best team game here. And while Kyrie in his prime had the talent to be a number one guy, it seemed like he always succeeded more as a Robin instead of a Batman. Now the tricky part here is Aldous Snow is very clearly a front man, okay? He's the center of attention, the star of the show, He would never be a Robin to anyone's Batman. So if he was played by Kyrie Irving, I think we would get a much wackier version of him. And this is putting aside all of the -the off-the-court controversy, which I would prefer not to wade into right now. Um, Kyrie Irving is very much marching to the beat of his own drum. And not that Aldous Snow isn't, but Aldous Snow does so in a way that seems to draw massive Support and popularity. Um, I think that if we could imagine Kyrie Irving going even more against the grain, that would be what it would look like if he played all the snow in this movie. Um, maybe there's a lot more yoga. Um, maybe maybe there's uh, less less references to consumptions of drugs. Um, less womanizing on all part. part. Um, I think I think the point of Aldous is all this all this whatever you want to call it. His, the point of his, his womanizing traits is to kind of extenuate, um, you know, kind of the rock star lifestyle. And um, I don't think any normal person, even celebrities, is truly like that. But I, I don't actually know. Um, I'm not a celebrity. So I think that's with Kyrie Irving. I think, I think the Kevin Durant would be pretty similar because Kevin Durant is an alpha dog and he's always been the star of the show and very clearly – Kevin Durant is comfortable in his own skin at being the front man. I know, you know, he took his criticism for going to the Warriors and whatnot. But, you know, at the end of the day, Kevin Durant has shown that when, it, when the game's on the line, he can be the guy. So I think I think you'd get a more march to be your own drum with Kyrie and more of a similar to what we already got with Kevin
0: Durant. See, I'm going to disagree with you, and maybe this becomes an NBA discussion. I don't know that Kevin Durant is this bona fide alpha dog. I think, you know, we, we heard Charles Barkley make the comment that he's, he's been a bus rider, not a bus driver on the, on his teams. And so I think he's he's a little more timid. He might take a little more of a backseat, less just totally out there if, if he uh, played uh, Aldous Snow. And, and, you know, Kevin Durant, whenever it's gotten tough, he left OKC to join the team that beat him, the Warriors. He, he, the Nets started to fall apart. He requested a trade. He's not happy there. He's kind of stubborn, but he, he's a little more brooding. I don't know if he would be out there as much as Aldous Snow, uh, who's now played by uh, Stephen Adams, uh, is uh, in, in in the actual movie. Um. <laughs> Kyrie. Uh, I think Kyrie wants to be the kind of guy Aldous Snow is in this movie. He's wacky. He's... Uh, You know, I think it's fair to say he's a conspiracy theorist. Kyrie is. Um, (laughs) The earth is not flat. I mean, set aside everything that's happened the last two months, the the earth is pretty clearly a globe. It's round. Um, If, you know, if Kyrie played Aldous Snow, then he would be, uh, you know, less popular, like you said, more of a pariah, uh, still a very. Uh, interesting uh, character to say the least Um, but you know probably um, a lot less charismatic than Aldous Snow is in this movie yeah I don't want to touch this one anymore so (laughs) thanks a lot Chris Um, we hope to
1: have you back one day
0: and now the Hank score take it away yeah I like this movie like I said um uh, I'm going to give it a B plus. <laughs> Weren't we on numbers last episode? We were on numbers last episode, but you got to change it up a little bit to to keep you guessing on which which one is ahead of uh, the other one on the scale. Okay. Um, I would say it's very close to Step Brothers. Uh, I I I'm not going to reveal whether a B plus is better or worse than an eight point five uh, until we get later on in this series to keep people listening a little bit. Okay. Um. <laughs> But you know, I I think you know I I laid out some of the the positives and 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 critiques that I saw in my in my earlier review. Um, I, I think a B plus is a good score. This is a good movie. It's a movie I'd recommend someone else watch that hasn't seen it. Even though I I guess most people have probably seen it by now. Um, it's only I, fourteen I, years I, old. I'm, I'm a little <laughs> late to the party. Um, but yeah, you know, I don't, I don't. There's nothing to be ashamed of with the B plus. Um, very few movies, I think, w- w- qualified for the A range. I'd be a tough professor if I, if I was uh, some sort of math professor in a different life. Um, <laughs> okay, but <laughs> thanks for that. <laughs> but you know, I, I, it's a good movie. It's a really good movie, and, and it should be proud of getting this this respect from me. Is what I would say. Uh,
1: somewhere, Judd Apatow is celebrating that the Hank score came in well. So, um, I, I appreciate your feedback there. Um, I'm going to have to do a little mental gymnastics to figure out where, where the two movies match up so far, but, uh, save that for later. That's it for us. Thank you to every one of our loyal listeners out there. Thank you to Chris Andrews. Thank you to Hank. Thank you to Anchor. We're coming back in a week with another incredible cinematic masterpiece, Wedding Crashers. But until then, keep your eyes open. Because if I see Van Helsing, I swear to the Lord I'll slay him. See you then.